Welcome back to Axiom Youth Podcast. We would like to welcome Brother Zane Cross into the podcast. He's been our intern here at Cornerstone for the summertime, and he's from Indiana Bible College. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoy this episode. Because God is great, He did so many miracles in my life to get me here. Thank you for worshiping. I, I, I'm so thankful. I feel it in your in the atmosphere, your heart. I'm very thankful for you being engaged and and lifting up the name of the Lord. And you can be seated tonight. And we're going to have our our special guest speaker come at this time. And he it is our. Uh, Indiana Bible College student that's here this this year interning with us, and we're very thankful that he's going to get to spend the summer with us, and, and he is a, a great uh, young man, and I can say that because I'm getting older. He makes me feel a little older. I'm eight years older than him, and that makes me feel a little old, but Zane is one of my good friends. We've already become good friends, and I know that he's going to do a great job tonight, so I want you to give him your attention, and I want you to open up your heart. For what God wants to speak to you tonight. So would you welcome Brother Zane Crossan as he comes to preach to us. I am looking forward to all the fun we're going to have uh, tonight. I'm so thankful that each and every one of you are here. Um, so I'll introduce myself so, you know, you can kind of know who I am a little bit, where I'm from, because uh, generally you listen better to someone that you kind of know. So uh, my name is Zane. I'm from Southern Illinois. Um, I just finished my third year at Indiana Bible College, and um, that's about it. That's my life right there. <laughs> uh but as I get my notes pulled up here. Um, so before I get started, I kind of like to see what age group we have. So how many are like 12 and 13? So we've, so we've got one that's 12 and 13. How many are 14 and 15? Okay, there we are. There's the majority. Uh, anybody, let's say, I said 12, 13, 14. 15, 16, 17. Okay, we got a couple. 17, 18. Or I said 17. 18, 19. We got one 19, 20. Got a couple. 21, 22. I'll stop there. <laughs> it's Brother Jared back there. <laughs> so uh, how many have heard the story of the three Hebrew boys. How many, everybody know that story pretty good? Can anybody tell me what their three names in Hebrew were? I know we know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That actually wasn't their real names. Does anybody know what their real names were? No, okay, neither do I. Well, Brother Jared, but we'll give him a pass. Um, so, uh, I don't have the 
three Hebrew names memorized. Um, I just know them by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so we can find this story of the three Hebrew boys in Daniel uh, chapter 3. And uh, so here in Daniel, a little background on the kind of the time of where we're at in the scripture. Israel has just been taken captive by Babylon and by a king by the name of King Nebuchadnezzar. And so we find here in chapter 3 says that King Nebuchadnezzar was going to make an idol. So in those days, you either had, you know, you worshipped as Israel worshipped, you know, God as we know him, the one true God. And you had these other nations and the other people who would worship, you know, images made of gold or just several gods. You know, you really didn't know who God was and they would pray and sacrifice to all these false gods and and all that. So here Nebuchadnezzar is doing what usually any other king would do uh, from a foreign country is he's going to create an idol. And so, you know, he says, I want everybody to bow down to this idol. So he says, as the mu- when the music starts, everybody, I want you to bow down. And so they get all together, they get all the musicians, they have their music practice. They're all ready. They're all, you know, all perfect in tune. And they start playing and everybody bows down. And like the story goes, we know that the three Hebrew boys don't bow down, and they stand. So we have everybody, we have a whole nation, everybody's bowing down, and then we have these three that are standing. Now, I don't know about you, but if everybody else bowed down around me and I was still standing there, I'd be like, okay, um, either I'm just really rebellious, I didn't get the memo, you know, I'd I'd feel kind of foolish. You know, so I'll, I'll be honest, like, I would be like, man, everybody's bowing down, like, Maybe it did I, you know, maybe like they were kind of like, I don't care what everybody else says. I'm going to live this way. That's kind of how I can see that they, they, their mindset was. They weren't worried about everyone else. They were just like, I'm going to stand no matter what. And so they didn't bow like the other nation did. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, the word gets back to him and he gets mad. It says he really, the scripture says he gets, he gets furious. He gets angry. And so you know, he made this command. He wanted everybody, and he was king. He was the ultimate authority. He said, everybody needs to bow down, and here people aren't listening to him. How many, when your parents tell you something, and you don't do it, they get mad at you, and they're like, I told you, and you're like, then you kind of do it, or, you know, they get mad at you for not doing what they say. So sometimes, when I was younger, I would not listen to my parents, and let's just say I got punished a lot. <laughs> um, so... He says, bring them here. They didn't bow down. I don't want them. And so, of course, as the story goes, he goes to question them, and he tells them, you know, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. You know, I told everybody to bow down, and I said, if you didn't, you're going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. And so being burnt alive does not interest me at all. That, like, that's one way I don't want to go out is being burnt alive. Sounds slow and painful. So he brings them in, and I love what they say. So we see in uh, Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, I really like what they say. And so I'm, I'm just, I really like it. I'm, I'm telling you guys what they say is really good. And it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. We are not careful with our answer. You know, we're not beating around the bush. We're not shying away. This is our answer. And the verse 17 If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning of the fiery furnace, 
and he will deliver us out of the out of thine hand, O king. In verse 18, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And so I really, they were very bold, standing before the king, a fiery furnace, you know, ultimately standing there behind them, waiting to consume them. And they say, we are not careful to answer thee because we know in the God that we serve. We know in the one true God that we serve that he'll deliver us not only out of the fiery furnace, but it also deliver us out of your hand too. And so they were not careful to answer. And I love that. They were not careful to answer. And what they were doing, they were showing that they were confident in the fact that God would bring them out and that they wouldn't serve other gods or idols. They said, we're not going to serve your gods. We're not going to serve your idols because we know who the one true God is. How many know the one true God here today? Good. Everybody's hand went up. Awesome. And so, you know, I was, I was kind of thinking about this, and you know, as I read this kind of portion and uh, part of the scripture, it gets me thinking. Sometimes when we are questioned on what we do, why we do what we do, you know, just when people ask us questions and everything, sometimes we can kind of give a roundabout answer. We can kind of give an answer that may seem like it'll hurt less. You know, maybe we'll just kind of like kind of shy away from the question and kind of give just a really vague answer. And see, I remember in high school and in junior high and when I was in school that I would always get asked why I wear pants. So I didn't wear any shorts, PE, uh, any sports. I was a runner. I ran cross country and track, and I always wore pants. And so I would always get embarrassed when people would ask me, well, why are you wearing pants? You know, why, why, you know, why don't you wear you know, shorts or whatever? You know, it's, it's 100 degrees out, and you're running six miles. You know, why aren't you in like a you know, pair of shorts that everybody else is wearing? And so, you know, I, I would get kind of embarrassed, and I'd kind of, you know, I'd kind of, man, well, you know, it's, it's what my church does, and, and you know, I, I'm on the platform of my church. I play the drums, and so I kind of just do what my church says, or, or you know, it's, it's my religion. You know, that was always the big one. Oh, it's just my religion. Uh, and so when people ask, you know, why I didn't play certain sports, or didn't do certain things, you know, I'd, oh, my parents don't allow me. I don't do this because, you know, well, my parents don't let me go or whatever. And I, I would never just give a, a, the straight answer. I'd always kind of just beat around and try to kind of make it seem like, well, it wasn't really my choice. It was just kind of the, the choice of my parents and my church and, and my, you know, quote, unquote, quote, religion. You see, you know, I, I just brush it off. You know, you know, it. it wasn't, you know, really my thing, you know, I would do something different, but, but, you know, this is what I kind of had to do. I was forced to do it. And so I, I would always give this roundabout answer. And in reality, it was my belief. And I never fully answered because I didn't want people thinking like, you know, I was weird. You know, you, nobody wants to think you're weird or, or not cool or not, you know, popular, or whatever, especially in high school. That's, you know, I was always worried about like, you know, if I was cool and fit in and, and all that. And so, you know, I would try to hang out with the cool kids, and I'd sit at the cool kids' table and, and everything. So when they'd ask me, like, you know, why, why don't you wear shorts, or why aren't you cussing, or, you know, why aren't you, you know, saying the jokes, or, what you didn't think that joke was funny? You know, and it was, it was awkward. I was like, oh, you know, it, you know, I just try to give, like, this roundabout answer, so I just kind of brush it off. You see, but what does that say about us, and what does that say about our faith in God? Because when the three Hebrew boys were questioned, they said, we're not careful to answer you. 
Well, they gave him the straight up answer. They gave him why they didn't stand. The reason for reason, you know, they said, we, didn't, we don't stand because we don't serve your God. We serve the one true living God. And so, you know, when people ask, you know, well, why do you only wear skirts? I only see you in skirts. Or why, why do you have long hair? You know, I'm kind of preaching to the women here. I don't believe men should wear skirts, and I don't believe men should have long hair. Um, but, you know, why do you only wear skirts? Or why do you have kind of long hair? You know, what, you know or for instance, why don't, you, why don't you cuss? Like, I never hear you cussing. Or, you know, why don't you do this or you don't do that? You know, why, why, do you, why don't you do that? And we can hide behind an answer that we don't really believe. Or we can hide behind an answer that isn't, fully what we believe you know we can say oh well, it's just kind of this and we can kind of give a roundabout answer to kind of maybe shy away from the truth and and kind of tuck it back like you know oh oh it's nothing it, it's no big deal we kind of shy away from it and what it what it shows and i believe you know it especially showed for me I'll, I'll speak for me is it shows that i i didn't really trust in god and trust in what i believed i was kind of afraid i was kind of timid especially in the face of, of all, my, all the cool kids at school and all my friends and, and everything, I'd, I would always just kind of be afraid. And, and it, it was just a lack of, of faith, a lack of trust in God for the reason why I did what I did. And so the three Hebrew boys were not that way. They were bold, they were confident in their answer, and, they, you know, and in the answer they gave, they were confident in it because they had God backing them up, backing them up ultimately. You know, they, they knew God was there, you know, right there with them the whole way. They had faith and they trusted in their God. So they, they could give a bold answer. They could say, you know, God will deliver us out of this fiery furnace because we know he will. He's delivered us before. We know the stories of our, of our you know, where our fathers came from, so to say. They came out of Egypt and, and crossed the Red Sea. You know, we know that God. And so, you know, they were confident in their answer. And so they stood for what they believed in. And even when they were threatened with certain death. Now, how many have been threatened with certain death for what you believed in? Nobody. Nobody's, you know, had a gun pointed to them and said, you know, what, don't believe this way or, or why are you doing that? You're, I'm going to kill you because you're not wearing shorts or, you know, you're cutting your hair. On. No, no, you know. So they stood in the face of death for what they believed in. And so here today, we're a little more, uh, let's just say, we have it easy. You know, we're not being threatened with death for what we believe in. You know, we're not being threatened with a fiery furnace waiting to consume us. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, probably in the fact that they were very confident in their answer, he said, I want the furnace seven times hotter than what it already is. And so the furnace was so hot, and the scripture says, that when the men that bound them went to throw them in the furnace, that they died. So could you imagine, like, you're a soldier, and your king says, okay, I want this furnace hotter. And so they, you know, get it all stoked up, and then you go to throw these guys in there, and then you die. Now, that would kind of seem like, wow, that's pretty hot if it's killing the guys that are just supposed to be throwing them in there. And so the furnace was so hot that it killed the men, and then, you know, as... They throw them in there, I guess. You know, they might have just took them in there and they didn't walk out. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in there. But do you know what happened when they were in there? As the story goes, and as we can read in the scripture, that they went into the flames with confidence that God was going to deliver them. And so they weren't consumed by the flames. 
And they had faith and trust in God that he would bring them out. And even to the point where King, looked, King Nebuchadnezzar, he looked in the fiery furnace and he said, wait a second, did I not throw three in there? Why is there four in there walking around? So when he, when he pulled them out, when he called them out, he said, the Bible says that their hair wasn't singed, their clothes didn't smell like smoke, and they weren't even burned. They were not touched by the fire. And so when we are confronted, and I'm going to kind of transition into in kind of to practical uh, life, so to say, for us here today. When we are confronted by this world and all the problems that it has, we need to take a stand for what is right. So the three Hebrew boys, I really like this. The three Hebrew boys made a bigger difference by standing than a whole nation did by bowing. So three boys made a bigger difference than a whole nation. Now that's a pretty big difference, if you ask me. And so, you know, they, they went into the fire furnace and they came out untouched. And it's because even in the midst of the trial, even in the midst of the situation, God was right there with them. You see, there was only three of them, but yet there was four in the fire. As God was right there with them. He was walking with them. It says the angel of the Lord was there. You know, God protected them even in the fire. And so King Nebuchadnezzar ultimately... Later on, he says, there is no God that can do this. There is no idol that we can set up. There is no other God that can do this. God with a little g. But he said, the God of them, that's the true God. And he says, if anybody speaks amiss of this God, we're going to cut him up into pieces. So if you even said something wrong about the God of the Hebrew people, you'd be cut up and your family, uh, the scripture would, says, would be made a dunghill. So... You know, there's pretty bad consequences after this. And then the three Hebrew boys who stood, King Nebuchadnezzar promoted them in Babylon. So when they stood, they were threatened with certain death. They came through, and then Nebuchadnezzar's like, okay, uh, your God is the, is the real God, and I'm going to promote you in all the land. So here they are, standing for what is right. And then they get promoted after, you know, when the enemy's in their face saying, you know, we're going to kill you for what you believe in. We're going to kill you for standing and not listen to our command. Just a couple verses later, he's saying, I'm promoting you. You're going to be have new respect. You're going to have a whole new level of authority in the kingdom. And so by Shadrach and Meshach, by Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego standing up for what they believed in, they were not only delivered from certain death, but they were promoted up even higher. They were given respect throughout the whole country. And so today, I want, I, want, I want to kind of tell you something. When you stand for what is right, when you stand even in the face where everyone else is bowing, you're making a difference greater than, than what you see. You're making a difference when you stand for what is right, when you stand for living holy, when you stand for living separate, when you stand for the truth and the word of God. You're making a difference even though you might not be able to see it. You might see a whole nation bowing, and you might see everyone else kind of falling in the same traps and and just following this world, but by you standing, you're making a difference. So when you stand up and you live holy and you live a separated life, you make a difference in your school. You make a difference with your friends, you make a difference in your family, you make a difference in your home life just for standing what is right. Because God will not leave you nor forsake you. And when you stand for, for his ordinances and what, what he said and what, what is right and the word of God, 
You make a difference in your life, in, your, in everything around you, everything surrounding you, you make a difference. And so in everything else, as you know, you might see, and it might seem as though, you know, everything around you, everyone is bowing down and there's a fiery furnace ready to consume you. You just got to stand. You know, it talks about standing on the word of God. You know, there, there's an old song that it's just standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises of Christ our Savior. You know, when you stand on that, you're blessed and there's a difference that's made. So when you feel like you're in the fire and you feel like you're in the trial and the storm, you're not alone because when you stand for, for God, he stands with you. You know, it's not like you stand for him and then he's off somewhere else. No, when you stand up, he's right there with you. He's right there standing for you, even in, your, in the midst of the circumstance, even in the midst of your trial, even in the midst of the, the fiery furnace, so to say, he's standing right there with you and he'll be standing next to you. See, the Bible says that greater is he that is in you than he that, he that is in the world. So God inside of you is greater than any opposition, any person, any storm, any trial that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you. And so, maybe, you know, you might not understand that, that principle, but I'm going to maybe concrete it here. So how many know when you go underwater... You're really like when you, the farther you go down, it seems like everything kind of squeezes you and kind of you, your ears start to pop and everything. So, so how many went underwater and it, you, everything just kind of starts getting tight, it feels like. See, that's the pressure. So that's everything that's pressing in around you. And you see, when, when the pressure on the outside is greater than the pressure on the inside, every, it starts to crush so that's why submarines and everything, when they go underwater, they have to be built for so much pressure because all the pressure and the weight of the water around them is, is trying to crush them, is trying to push them in. So what, so what it's saying is greater is he that is in you, saying you have a stronger force and a stronger pressure inside of you with God than the world has. When the world's trying to push against you and everything, it, it doesn't bother you. It's not tight. You, you kind of even, and it, you even push back a little bit. You kind of relax because greater is God inside of you than the world. And so when you live for God and when, you know, you give yourself to him and you, you repent and you're baptized and then God says he'll give, you know, you'll get the Holy Ghost and receive it. That means there is no person, there's no situation, no problem in the world that is greater than God that God can't take care of. So when you're living your life for him, there's nothing that can come against you. Nothing that can destroy you. Now, the trials are going to come. Storms are going to come. But they're not going to harm you. They're, they're going to grow you. They're going to take you to another level. So when you put your faith and your trust in God, He won't leave you or forsake you. When it seems like everything around you is falling to pieces, when it seems like everything around you is crumbling, when it seems like the world is on fire and everything's just crashing down, it's chaos and, and everybody's kind of saying different things and there's no real meaning anymore and everybody's just kind of doing their own thing and everything's what's right in your own eyes or, or just do what makes you feel better. When everything around you is turning to chaos, you can stand on the promises of God because God will bring you through and God will be that constant in your life to carry you through. God will be that constant in your life that when you walk into the fiery furnace, you won't be burned. God will be that constant when, when the weight of the world is trying to press in, press in and crush you that you won't be consumed. You see, maybe when we're having trouble in school or we're having trouble at home and it, it seems like the whole world is absolutely against you. You just got to know and just got to put your face faith in God because he's for you. 
He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. God is for you in the midst of your situation. So what, is the, what, what does the Bible say? Let's ask the Bible. The Bible knows, you know, is the ultimate authority on what we know about God. And so what does the Bible say? Well, I know the Bible says that God's a faithful help in the time of trouble. God's faithful to help you even in, in, in the time of your trouble. It says that God is our refuge and our strength. He's a present help in time of trouble. It says that God won't leave you or forsake you. He's not going to leave you high and dry. He's not going to leave you just all on your own. He's not going to leave you just where you, you're, you're trying to control everything on your own and you realize you don't have control. He's not going to leave you. He won't leave you comfortless. God won't give up on you. God won't just leave you there alone in the midst of, in, the, in a burning world, in the midst of chaos. He's not going to leave you alone. But it seems like when everything is falling apart, that's usually when you can see God standing right there the most. You see, God is going to be there for you. And one time in high school, you know, I was, I was born and, and I've, you know, I, I was blessed beyond measure to be raised in the, in the house that I was. And, and my parents taught me a lot. But one time in high school, I remember I felt so alone. Now, I, I struggled maybe on a, on a greater front in high school than, than what kind of met the eye. I struggled a lot with internal internal fighting. You know, I was in high school, I'll just be real honest, I, I struggled with uh, depression, fear, anxiety, uh, a feeling of self-worthness, didn't, didn't, you know, feel like I mattered, didn't feel like anybody really cared about me, and it just, I'd go through the day, just go through the motions, and, and it just, I was like, man, you, nothing matters. My life has no meaning. I went through the day, you know, I remember driving down a stretch of road at night after, after a youth event, and, and I was just so lost. I, I was just so lost that I, I remember I just said, whatever happens, happens. And, you know, I'm driving down and I just put my foot on the gas and let it go. Took my hands off the wheel and closed my eyes. Just let it go. Just drove. And finally nothing happened after, you know, what seemed like a couple of minutes. It was probably a few seconds, but nothing happened. And so I just opened my eyes and put my hand on the wheel and finished driving home. I was so hurting and nobody knew it. I was so hurting that I didn't care what happened anymore. You see, the internal fight in me was, was seeming, you know, nobody else could see what I was going through. Nobody else could see the pain and the hurt that I was struggling with. But you know what? God still didn't leave me in that time. And so when I felt like there was no one there for me, I felt like there was nobody. I didn't have friends at school. I felt like everybody was against me. I didn't feel like my parents were there for me. I didn't feel like there was anyone at church who, who was you know, there for me to, to talk to me, help me out. I didn't have any friends. I, I just felt so alone. I, I felt like even God wasn't there at some point. And I remember one Saturday night, I was, our church had a, a men's prayer meeting. And I went to this prayer meeting, you know, I always attended every event at the church. You know, my parents were very faithful and, and everything, and we, we always went to everything. And so I went to this prayer meeting, and I walked in, I was just feeling low. I was feeling so low, and, and as an expression goes, I could sit on a, on a tissue and swing my legs. That's how low I was feeling. You know, so low you could have an ant walk over you, you kind of just feel just, just small and inadequate and everything, and and so I felt alone. I felt this heaviness, and I just felt unloved. And and if you know what, all the problems and everything, I just I just felt it was deep. It was something really deep, and I, I was just struggling. I walked in there with a heavy heart. And as I walk in, and I sat sat down in a in a chair to pray, and 
and I didn't really feel like praying. I didn't feel like anything was going to happen. It was just another prayer meeting, just another service, just another time where I'd come in. I didn't feel like anything was going to happen. And I was so overwhelmed by the weight and the pressure that was on me that I just sat there and I began to cry. I was so overwhelmed, I started to break down, and I, so, I, just, I couldn't get words out. I was so hurting, and all I could do was sit there and cry. And you see, it was at this point that something very real happened to me. It was at this point that I felt a warm arm kind of just wrap around me and rest on my shoulders. You see, it was this point I just felt this arm kind of comfort me and bring comfort, and everything just kind of faded away. Every, all the, the hurt, all the pain, everything just kind of ceased to be there. And I felt this overwhelming sense and this presence that I could only feel in the presence of God. You see, and it, and it stayed there for a long time. And I prayed and I prayed and I cried and I was just broken before God. And all of a sudden, I knew everything was going to be okay. So as I'm sitting there, this arm, I just felt this warm kind of presence, this arm wrapped around me. And when I finally lifted my head and opened my eyes, there was nobody there. What I'd, I, I knew somebody was there. I, it had to be. It, it, was, it was a physical touch. And I had, somebody had to be there. But when I opened my eyes, nobody was there. I didn't feel it lift. It, it just I opened my eyes and nobody was there. Now, that would be kind of weird if you felt something and nobody's there. You know, that, you, is that a ghost or whatever? But it was at that point I knew everything was going to be all right. So I looked, and there was nobody around me, and I was like, you know, I was kind of wondering, and, and all of a sudden, something just clicked. Something just snapped, and I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You see, it was that point that I knew it was God. You see, at that point when I felt like I was so alone, and I was so hurting, and I was so broken, and nobody knew what the battle was going on inside of me, nobody knew the struggle that I was dealing with, it was at that moment that God knew And God reached down and he wrapped his arms of love around me. You see, I still remember that back to that moment. Because many times, even when I feel alone, even now, even even when, when it seems like I don't, you know, I'm supposed to give an answer, but I don't have an answer to give. Even when it seems like everyone's kind of attacking me, even when it seems like there's no one there, to just, you know, just talk to. There's there's no one there I can I feel like I can connect with anybody, you know, who who I can kind of lean on and and you know, just kind of trust in and confide in. I still remember back that time because God's always been there. Even at my lowest time, God was always there. You see, and I want you to know here tonight that it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter if nobody else knows the fight that you're going through. It doesn't matter if, if it's just you, you're like, man, I'm just going to put on a happy face and I'm going to come to the lock-in tonight. Because ultimately, God knows our end from our beginning, and He even knows our, our thoughts and our intents of our heart. You see, God is there for you. And God loves you, even when we don't even know if we can love ourselves. You see, God cares for you, even when it seems like nobody else cares for you. You see, when no one else is around, and it seems like nobody else is there for you, God is still there for you. You see, God created the heavens and the earth. God created everything that we know, all of nature, everything he's spoken into, it, in, into existence. In the, in the account of creation, God spends more time talking about man and forming man than he does about everything else. 
You see, the Bible says that the very hair on your head are numbered. The Bible says that God knows every sparrow that falls. The Bible also says that God knows all the stars and calls them by their name. But you know what? God loves you and I so much more. Because He created us. We are created in His image. You see, there's God. And then there's us as humans. And then there's everything. There's creation around us. You see, we're a middle being. See, we're higher than creation. We're higher than nature. We're, we're more important than animals. We're not just an accident of creation like, you know, they try to teach you in school. You're not just an act of creation, an act of some big bang that happened millions and millions of years ago. No, you're a special creation made by a creator who loves you and I very much. You see, you know, we're just not just some monkeys that evolved over time. No, we're not just some some accident that happened. We're not just some, you know, one little cell that kind of created. No, we're a special creation because God loves you and I very much and he desires a relationship with us. You see, and God loves us so much that he, he was willing to kind of put on some flesh. He was willing to kind of put on some skin and be born of a woman and come and walk down among us. You see, he loved us so much that he came down so he could be the ultimate sacrifice, so he could be the spotless lamb that would go to a cross and die for our sins. You see, when we were singing that song, Hallelujah for the Cross, I, I just couldn't stop thinking of, of that it should have been me up there on that cross. For the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. You know, I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect. And I've made a lot of mistakes, and I should be crucified for all my sin that I've committed. But you know what? God said, I'm going to be your perfect, I'm going to be your perfect sacrifice. I'm going to be the sacrifice so you don't have to die, so you don't have to live with the guilt and the shame and the punishment of, of maybe what you've done in your past or the sin that you've committed or, or you know, just the, everything around you and, and it, when you've done wrong and you've, no. See, God said, I'm going to be the perfect sacrifice. And so God went to a cross. He robed himself in, in flesh as the man Jesus and walked to that cross knowing that he was dying for your sins. You see, the Bible talks about the weight of the world's sins was on him. He bore that punishment. He bore that guilt. He bore that shame that we can have in life. That's how much he loved us. The Bible says that there's no greater love than that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And I'm coming to a close. And so Jesus, he gave his life for us because he loves you and I, in a very special way. And so maybe, you know, maybe one of you here tonight feel alone. Maybe it feels like you're in the middle of a, a giant storm and everything is kind of chaos around you. Maybe you're here tonight and you feel like no one really loves you, no one really cares for you, that no one is really there. Maybe you're here and, and nobody knows the struggle that you're dealing with. Maybe you're here tonight and, and nobody knows what's been going on in your home life or, or no one knows really what's been said to you at school or, or you know, what you're battling with. Maybe no one knows. Maybe you just kind of put on a happy face and you just come to lock in on a Friday night to just to go through another day and 
just maybe get an escape from, from the fight. But I want you to know that God is there for you. That even in the midst of your storm, that God is there. And that even when you don't feel like anyone else loves you, that God loves you. You see, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter whether you're rich. It doesn't matter whether you're poor. It doesn't matter, matter whether you, know, you have all the friends in high school and you're the star on the football team. It doesn't matter if, if you just, you're the most talented and you, know, you can just pick up any instrument and just play it. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're the most talented. It doesn't matter if your family has a name or if, you, if no one even knows, knows you. See, God doesn't care about that. God doesn't, like Brother Jared said Wednesday, God doesn't require something of us that's hard or something that's, that's challenging. You see, maybe you don't understand the hand that you've been dealt, so to say. You might not understand the consequences that you have kind of walked in. It seems like this is just my life. This is all there is to it. You see, God doesn't ask us for a pedigree. God doesn't ask us for, okay, what's your resume of, of what, what can you do? What are your talents? What are your abilities? What are your strong suits? It's not some job interview. No, God doesn't do that. All God says is, where's your heart? God says, will you love me? God says, will you give your life to me? It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you did in the past. It doesn't matter any of that. It, it doesn't matter. But what God does is he stands there with open arms, a love in a way that, that you might not be able to understand or, or to think. You might not be able to put it into words or you might be overwhelmed with even feelings. But see, it's when you run into that embrace and God wraps his arms of love around you and everything seems to still because you know in the midst of a hurricane the eye of the storm is the calmest part you see when you're in the middle of the storm it's when God is right there orchestrating everything around you and he's going to pick you up and he's going to hold you you see it's in the middle of the trial and the fiery furnace that God will be walking with you it's not too hard to stand it's not too hard to make it through life it's not too hard to make a difference because God is with you. You see, if, if we could all stand. You know, I know we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to play a bunch of games. But maybe let's just focus on right now. What would happen if we just put everything else aside and we just focused in on this moment? You see, so many times we're so concerned about the future and the past that we forget the present. But what if we could just focus right now on this moment? If everybody could close their eyes and lift your hands. Maybe you can just reach out. Maybe just picture God right there standing with his arms open wide, begging you to come. You see, he stands at the door knocking, just waiting for you to open up. You see, he's standing there saying, I have something for you that you could never imagine. You see, he's standing there knocking, say, I have more love than you maybe have ever experienced in your life. You see, God is standing there just saying, open up to me. 
And I will give you that comfort. I will give you that peace that you may never have. See, just open up to him. Just begin to talk to him. Begin to cry out. Say, God, nobody else knows what I'm going through. Nobody else knows the battle that I've walked in here with. Nobody else knows the fight that I've been fighting at home. Nobody knows the fight that I've been fighting with at school. But God, I give it to you. Every broken piece that I can give, every part of me I give to you. Just reach out to him. He's standing there knocking at the door. He's standing there knocking, just asking you to let him in. This has been an episode of Axiom Youth Student Ministries. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you've enjoyed and we hope you'll come back for the next one. Thank you for tuning in. Restore.